broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. We're scheduled to talk to Aaron Wilson from KPRC2 in Houston about 4.15. Talk a little Anthony Richardson as he put the piece out about Anthony Richardson late last night. So we're going to get to him uh, coming about 4.15. He's able to reschedule and we're efforting Jessica Benson, Grind City Media, Jessica Benson Show, talking all things Memphis Grizzlies as they're preparing to take on the Lakers who worked their way into the playoffs. And for the second year in the row, the Memphis Grizzlies are the number two seed. Of course, they have John Morant. I'll tell you right now, though, the guy that I always focus in on that I think is a big time factor that I don't believe gets enough attention when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies is one Desmond Bain. I think Desmond Bain is a guy that he's just kind of quietly and not really I don't want to say not energetic, but kind of methodically goes about his business. And he's been that way since college. He's just really, he's smooth with what he does. And I think that he's a big factor. And in my opinion, there's no reason why they don't go through the Lakers and beat them in this first round. But I know there's a lot of Laker fans listening to the show, including Mama Q. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, you don't want to hear that. And Mama Q doesn't want to hear that. But if we're being 100% honest, the Lakers just do not look great. So we'll see what happens as they get their first uh, their first series of the official playoffs as the play-in tournament's going on. Uh, they'll get that started this upcoming weekend. So we're efforting Jessica. We should get her in a matter of seconds. DeMond will give us a thumbs up when we're ready to go. Uh, we also have text coming through on the don'tbebroke.com text line that we'll get to in a matter of minutes. That's at 69187, keyword R&R. But as promised, join us now on the phone lines is Jessica Benson, Grind City Media, host of the Jessica Benson Show. And Jessica, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I I was 100% honest with everyone when I said that you were coming on the show. Uh, I heard you this morning on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas with Ed and Tyler, and you were fantastic. And I was like, man, she's got to be a guest on the show. So great job this morning. We appreciate you this afternoon. Oh, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Hope you guys are doing well. Yes, yes, we are. We're excited. We're excited about the NBA playoffs. And, of course, the Grizzlies are going to be hosting the L.A. Lakers as they squeak their way into the playoffs. And I was just saying, Jessica, I don't see how Memphis loses this series against the Lakers, but you cover the Grizzlies like a glove. What is is their big M.O.? What is the kind of what is the attitude and, and the feeling like headed into the playoffs? Oh, thank you. Finally, someone with some sanity. The Memphis Grizzlies are the two seed in this scenario, and certainly much to be respected with this Lakers squad coming in in spite of the performance where they barely eked out a win over the Timberwolves in the play-in. But this is a Lakers team that has LeBron James, that has Anthony Davis, that has the best record in the NBA post-All-Star break. But this Grizzlies group... They're a two-seed for the second year in a row. They know what it's like to be in this position. They know what it's like to ride with home court advantage, especially in the first and potentially second rounds. They had practice this afternoon. It was their first open practice since they found out their opponent would be the Lakers. And it was a different tone hearing from John Morant versus what you heard from Dylan Brooks earlier in the week where he said, you know, he would welcome a opportunity to go up against LeBron James and, and have an opportunity to knock him out in the first round. Job ja put it back on the Grizzlies. This is all about this team. And, yes, this is the marquee first-round matchup, but the Grizzlies are focused within. This group truly believes that they could go out and win a championship at the beginning of the season. They've faced a lot of adversity throughout the year, from injuries to John Morant's issues himself, and now we're all in a place ready to look ahead to game one on Sunday. And they believe that they can win and not just win tonight or win on Sunday, 
but carry this through both in the West and ultimately the NBA Finals. What has that roller coaster like been for the team? You know, like you mentioned, the injuries, the jaw situation, Steven Adams now is out. I mean, what has that been like and how have they been able to kind of right the ship while that's been going on? Yeah, it's been one of the uh, biggest mysteries to me and many of us here in Memphis when it comes to coach of the year designations. And obviously uh, you look around the league and Taylor Jenkins has to be up there in terms of performances from this year because of everything he's faced. This Grizzlies starting lineup, only the projected starting lineup for this season, only played less than a dozen games together. So you have Steven Adams go down. He's missed the last two and a half months. You lose Brandon Clark, a critical piece off the bench. Uh, to an Achilles injury, and you have John miss some games. You had Jaron Jackson Jr. miss 16 games to start the year. Desmond Bain deals with a toe injury, and yet they have found a, a myriad of ways to win, and most recently working without Steven Adams. This group won a lot of games on the boards early on in the season because you had a rebounder like Steven Adams, and now they've had to shift their identity a bit. They've become more of a three-point shooting team. Adding Luke Kennard at the trade deadline has been a massive piece. I promise you this. Luke Kennard will win them a game with a big performance off the bench at some point during this series. He has been so hot, especially on the home court. And the good thing for the Grizzlies is they've already had to do this adapting, right? So it's not like they're getting the rug pulled out from under them with the Stephen Adams news coming right here and now. They've had to be working this way for the last two and a half months. So they're they're in a good place. They're in a confident place. And they're excited to welcome the Lakers here. Uh, we're talking all things Memphis Grizzlies right now with Jessica Benson from Grind City Media, the host of the Jessica Benson Show here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Jaron Jackson, how do you feel he's going to match up against Anthony Davis? Because to me, Jaron Jackson, he's the defensive player of the year, but Anthony Davis, he can turn it on occasionally. Ooh. It's fascinating. Anthony Davis, big guy, right? And I thought it was so symbolic of what happened to Carl Anthony Towns in that matchup against the Timberwolves, Cat gets in foul trouble, and the Lakers are able to make their push and immediately go on a run to get back into that game. The Grizzlies can't risk Jaron Jackson Jr. getting in similar foul trouble. I think it'll be very intriguing to see how Taylor Jenkins deploys his front court. We heard from Xavier Tillman Sr. today as well, and without him giving away any big government secrets, he put it bluntly. It will not be a one-man job to defend Anthony Davis. It will be a group effort. And it wouldn't surprise me if you see Xavier Tillman Sr. out there with the Grizzlies going big to start the games, at least in game one. And then you have Jaron Jackson Jr., who his best value as a defender on this team has been almost playing like a free safety and having the ability to roam. Perhaps he starts on Jared Vanderbilt, but also has the ability to switch one through five, which is why he, too, is my defensive player of the year. And he has shown that ability throughout the season. And then with this team, how important is it going to be for the bench to perform well in this series? Because I do think that that is something that's going to be able to separate and more particularly Tyus Jones and what does he mean to this team? Yeah, I think it'll come down to the bench in perhaps a handful of games this series. And Tyus Jones has been so steady for yet another year. He's led the NBA in assist-to-turnover ratio. And you've seen his value when he's had to step into the starting lineup with the Grizzlies when John Morant has been absent and he's been phenomenal. Carrying over that same agency onto the bench is critical for this group between him and then, as mentioned, Luke Kennard, who again led the league in three-point percentage this year. Santi Aldama has taken a big leap forward with this team. David Roddy, a rookie out of Colorado State, has played some meaningful minutes. John Contra, they have a lot of different options that they can deploy in various lineups coming off the bench, which I think will be one of the more intriguing things to look out for in terms of how Taylor Jenkins approaches this matchup specifically. And Xavier Tillman Sr., he said that, hey, it's not going to be a one-man job guarding Anthony Davis, but who do you think gets that primary assignment on LeBron James? 
Ooh, it's got to be Dylan Brooks, right? I mean, these are the matchups <laughs> that Dylan Brooks looks out for. And it's funny because I know sometimes people can look at it as a cocky thing or as a trash talk thing, but that's just really Dylan. Like, he is truly someone who gets up ready for a matchup like LeBron James, ready for the Kyries of the world, the Kevin Durant's of the world, the Lucas of the world. Like, those are the, the matchups that he gets the most excited for. And so for him, this playoffs is just taking it to the next level to have the ability to look at LeBron James on the other side. And when you look back at the Grizzlies versus the Lakers this year, yes, they went one and two, and they only played LeBron once, and the Lakers won that game. But he was held to 8-21 of shooting with Dylan Brooks as his primary defender. So you've seen a little bit of the work that DB can do. Isn't Brooks that guy that if he's on your team, you love him, but if he's against you, you hate him? Definitively. I live, my husband is a diehard Golden State Warriors fan, and he's from the Bay Area. And so having to live in a household working for the Memphis Grizzlies with a Warriors fan, uh, the conversations are interesting at times, but it gives me a true look at what the other side sees when it comes to Dylan Brooks versus how grateful Memphis is to have him, not just for the defensive prowess that he has to this team, because you do have a player like Jaron Jackson Jr., who more than likely looks to be on his way to winning Defensive Player of the Year, at least the most recent voting tracks are trending that way. But you also have another guy who could make a serious case for himself for an all-NBA defensive team, and that's Dylan Brooks. But he also just is the energy guy for this group. He's always next level. That's how he enters every game, and, and that's huge during the playoffs. You need that. Well, give your husband a high five from me. Tell him from one Bay Area native to another. <laughs> okay. I, I know where he's coming from. I'm not mad at him at all. Go ahead, Demont. All right, so something that I've got to ask, I don't know if, if Coach has already said this, but if Steven Adams, if this team does make a deep run, does he have that potential of returning? They have been very cautious with the language used. So you've heard likely will miss the rest of the playoffs, could potentially be looking at an offseason surgery that hasn't been ruled out yet. I was at practice today. Steven Adams was out there as he has been uh, for the last handful of practices. And I know people saw him warming up before that game 82 in OKC as well. Um, but ultimately, it appears that he will miss this upcoming first-round series. The door has not been shut shut the rest of the way. It kind of sits in a place of vagueness. I know people here in Memphis are looking for any and all context clues that could lead them to be hopeful that Steven Adams isn't out-out. But as of now, that, that is his status, and the Grizzlies will have to figure out how to work without him. And for those that are not familiar with this Grizzlies roster, who do you think could be that X factor in this series that maybe the main, the, you know, just the casual fan isn't expecting to have like a breakout game or series? You know, I really think, and Lakers fans would be at least familiar because of his time, you know, playing in the same building with the Clippers, but I think Luke Kennard is going to be huge. He's been able to kind of unlock this next level. He has said he's always been encouraged to shoot as a three-point shooter. Duh. He is no stranger to leading the NBA in three-point percentage, but he says that he's never had as green of a light as he has here in Memphis. And last month we watched him uh, make ten threes in a row, and it was just a ridiculous performance. And I think people could be surprised just how confident and how smoothly he has fit in with Taylor Jenkins' system and this Grizzlies group. Again, we're talking with Jessica Benson, Grind City Media, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. One guy that I really like, and I liked him even going back to college, was Desmond Bain. I just kind of feel like everything is effortless. Even though he's working hard, obviously, it just looks so smooth and almost methodical, but he gets the job done. How big and critical is he to this success of the Grizzlies team? He's taken yet another massive leap forward in year three. And what really stood out early in the season was this initial development of 
you know, it used to all be about John Moran, especially in late game situations. Grizzlies in a bind. What are you going to do? You're going to call 12. He answers the phone. He gets you a bucket. And suddenly you were learning that the Grizzlies didn't have just one closer. They had two in Desmond Bain. And now, honestly, they have three in Jaron Jackson Jr. as his offensive game has developed as well. But as it pertains to Desmond Bain, he's become so much more than just the three-point shooter that the Grizzlies relied on in his first two seasons. He's become a true three-level scorer. And when you watch Desmond Bain barrel to the basket, he's unstoppable. And it's been huge to allow both John Moran to operate at the best of his abilities because now it's not that Desmond Bain is just this spot-up three guy. He's also driving to the basket and also creating more opportunities for other guys around the perimeter as well. So Desmond Bain has been just as big of a piece as anyone in terms of the Grizzlies taking another step forward this year. Final and last question. I mean, this is the most important one. How many games does it take for the Grizzlies to get this done? Ooh, I'm confidence. saying I'm giving them five. Confidence from the Grizzly fan. I'm giving them five because I'll give LeBron that respect and maybe he can win them one game. Ooh. So uh, what about you? I will also give them five. If there is anything that the Grizzlies have struggled with a bit this year, it's been on the road and we'll see what that translates to in the postseason but they've done such a tremendous job locking it up here on the home court they've only lost six games at FedEx Forum all season the environment has been rowdy and supportive and they've just played really well here in Memphis I will also give you know the the credit to LeBron James I don't think he's going to go out with a sweep here back in the playoffs this year Uh, but I'll take Grizzlies in five and we had a crazy thing happen here in Memphis and not that crazy but there was supposed to be a Lizzo concert on the same day as game five and they ended up having to move that concert two days early. I like Lizzo's prediction in that sense. Like, she was like, all right, they're going to take care of business. They're going to sweep. Um, she didn't really say that. But now you have a situation <laughs> where the Grizzlies will come back, play the Lakers on that Wednesday, and I'll, I'll take Grizz in five. There you go. I like it. Well, we'll close out with this, Jessica. I heard you say that this morning. Again, you did a fantastic job when you were on with uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. You said, hug the city, and it will hug you back is basically the motto there in Memphis. As, for your time that you've been there, I believe you said since 2016, how, have that, how has that impacted you? Oh, man. Uh, it could not be truer. I moved here in 2016. I worked in local news. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, went to University of Southern California, and then started my career in Washington State. So moving to Memphis was not anything I ever necessarily <laughs> anticipated, but right. the job popped up. And uh, my husband, boyfriend at the time, also worked in local news, and we came down and both anticipated to be here on two-year contracts. And then two became three, and three became four. And this opportunity with the Memphis Grizzlies and Grind City Media opened up for me, and it was just too good to to pass down. And now here we are today. We just purchased our first home here, and, and the city just has such an awesome vibe. Like, I truly recommend it to anyone come to memphis explore the city it's got great music it's got great food it just has great culture and it's a wonderfully underrated place i love it i love it and again when you said that it just stood out to me like i mean like there was no tomorrow hug the city and it'll hug you back that was fantastic so uh, great stuff on your end what do you got working on that we should be on the lookout for as uh as this series gets ready to get underway starting on sunday for sure. Check out the Jessica Benson Show with CJ Hurt. We're on at 8 a.m. Central Time on YouTube on the Grind City Media channel, but you can check it out all day long. We'll cover both the Grizzlies playoff run and then the NBA in its totality throughout these playoffs as well. So we have a really good time. It's a lot of fun, and would love for you all to check it out. We'll definitely be doing that fantastic job. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon, and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Jessica Benson, fantastic. Grind City Media right there, uh, host of the Jessica Benson Show, and you can find her on Twitter at Jess Benson TV. We definitely appreciate her time. Coming up next, Aaron Wilson, KPRC2 in Houston. He'll join the show to talk Anthony Richardson. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 
ClickToHouston.com. That's Click2Houston.com is where you can find his work. That's Aaron Wilson, KPRC2, at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL on Twitter. And he joins us now on the phone lines. And, Aaron, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you pushing back for us. And your piece that you saw that, well, I saw that caught my attention last night, sources, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson knocked S2 cognitive test out of the park, also acing combine workout test. Want to talk to you all things Anthony Richardson. And what exactly is this S2 test and what does it exactly kind of entail and mean when quarterbacks like him and Bryce Young do really well in it? Right. What it means is the ability to think on your feet and be instinctive, anticipate, see shapes and then have memory and also be able to pick out what's the different shapes when examples. So if they put six things on a specialized laptop, they very quickly flash across the screen okay, here's a rectangle, here's a rectangle, where's the triangle, where was it, that sort of thing. I haven't had a chance to do this. I've done some virtual reality stuff that helps football players. Uh, one time, Bernard McKinney, the linebacker for the Texans, and I did uh, VR testing uh, kind of at the same time, and it almost felt like you were playing a video game. And, and really what this stuff can measure, you know, the processing, when it's not about processing, it's how quickly can you see the field, react. Obviously, you have to have the throwing ability, right, the accuracy, the strength, the ability to see, to get the passing lanes, to be in position to deliver the football. But some of it's mental. So there is a, and we're not talking about intelligence testing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about if I'm kind of like playing video games. If I'm playing a video game, but I'm better at it than you, it doesn't mean that I'm smarter than you. It might mean just that I'm better at playing a video game. But some of these skills, hand-eye coordination, do apply to football. And this is something that Brock Purdy was the high scorer on. This year, Bryce Young is the higher scorer. He's the 98. But Brock Purdy was mid-90s. And then high scores this year include Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, and also Jake Hayner. And another one is uh, Tyson Badgett, the Shepherd quarterback. So there's a lot of high scores, and I won't say anyone that's not a uh, you know I, I don't want to get into any scores that weren't good. Or, right. So I'm just I don't think that's fair. Right. But I, I'm 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 only going to mention the high scores because I feel like sometimes there can be some stereotyping about, and it's you know it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. What if someone's not a good test taker? Does that mean that they can't be a good quarterback? No. So this is just one piece of the puzzle. And I think it's interesting information, and, you know, you have about 30 to 45 minutes to take this test, how fast you process, make split decisions. So you have these shapes pop up, you identify the different shape, and it gauges, as they say, cognitive abilities, game situations, the ability to anticipate, read, and react. And I wouldn't put anything like to say, oh, well, this means this guy will fail, or this guy will succeed. Mm-hmm. It, it's different from the one that was more of a logic test and a knowledge test. And, you know, everyone will say, well, sometimes test, the SAT, it can be altered by or something like that. My understanding of this test is more just your ability to think fast. And it sounds like an interesting process, but I, I've never had a chance to take the S2. It's a company based in Nashville. And the only thing I've ever had any exposure to is like a virtual reality thing where you're wearing a VR thing and then you're able to, how quickly can you find the spots? And it was intended actually to help your peripheral vision. Mm. So Bernard McKinney did it and he was able to tell me, well, this helps me to kind of see 
you know, where's the blocking coming from? Where are the running backs? Where's the patterns developing? And no surprise, he was faster than me. He's also a lot younger than me, too. But <laughs> his, his test scores were much better there than a sports rider. But um, my football days are way behind me. I walk on to East Carolina. And, you know, Bernardrick was a, was a second-round draft pick from Mississippi State. And I think he, he could still be playing if he wanted to. He's retired. But, yeah, that's my only real experience with this kind of stuff is a VR thing. This is different than virtual reality. This is a laptop exercise and there's probably similar ones but this is a company that's doing business with a lot of nfl teams right now and it's called the s2 cognitive test well i'll tell you this uh no and this is actually probably something that nobody knows about me i actually failed back in the day i failed a a, a personality test like me of all people <laughs> failed a personality test how is that even possible you personality, that's man. what i thought <laughs> <laughs> for you to be able to get all the great guests you get, not 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 like a bad guest like me, but like really uh, big name guests, and, and to deal with all the personalities in Las Vegas, and uh, which is such a fast paced, like exciting town, and some interesting characters, I'm sure. In Vegas, whenever I visit, I always see like, wow, that's so weird or interesting. <laughs> but in my opinion, yeah, you got to have a lot of personality. I actually have a naturally introverted personality. So I have to put it on to be able to do this to deal with a lot of sources and everything. I just have to be myself, but I, you know, my natural self, I'm a fairly quiet person. I, I'm kind of like almost not shy, but low key, yeah. I would say. Right. And I kind of like, like to quietly like get my information. I'm really comfortable being on the phone, texting a lot of people, calling a lot of people, not having a lot of people around to hear my conversations. Uh, that kind of thing. And so I, way I do my job, I just talk to a lot of people all day. And like when we're at the owners meetings, it's very public, right? right. Yep. So you don't want a lot of people to hear your convos. You're kind of like, I mean, that whole thing is like different because the whole league's there. And then you wonder, there's a whole lot of FOMO. Well, what do they know? What do they hear? <laughs> and I, I found it very interesting. So, like, what, there was that big party, yeah. that part, like which was what, kind of a smooth fest, and there was some great food and drinks and all that stuff. So it's like, how do you, what's your strategy? And then also just, like, you just want to have fun, right? You can't be working all the time. So I always tell myself that at the Combine, all these different events. But, yeah, no, yeah, you got a lot of personality. You wouldn't fail <laughs> the personality test. I, man, I didn't think so either, but apparently I did. You, you, I, are, <laughs> you are Vinny. Man, come on. <laughs> uh, man I, I, it blew my mind that I did, but apparently I did. Again, Aaron Wilson is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. We're talking about this S2 test. So I know it's just a small portion. Well, I feel like it's a small portion, but how much do teams lean on these test results to kind of, like I said, be a portion of the draft process? Obviously not the biggest, the biggest factor. Right, I think it's just a small factor. It's, it's a it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not an ultimate determining factor. It's really something that, you know, what if you like both players the same, but one player maybe get a little bit better on this test, maybe that weighs a little bit in favor of one person. Just like, okay, what if one player had a better interview than this other guy? Like you didn't like some of his answers or Maybe there was an off-field thing that no one knows about, but you know about, like a coachability thing. Like, what if the coaching staff at a certain college said, you know, this guy, you know, he, he's always asking us why, he's a whiner, he complains a lot, or he, he tapped out on this, so we're being honest about it. Okay, well, that's a piece of information. Ultimately, you have to decide, you know, what should you do? But we're talking about the draft, 
we're betting on human performance and other variables like character, how will they handle money, all these things. What's the family like? What's their support system? And so then you're making like an educated guess on, do I believe in this guy for our system? And I think that's why the draft is so fascinating because you just don't know how these guys are doing. If you were to look at them as stocks, you know, not to make it inhumane, like, or, you know, to look at them only, you know, these are people, right? Not robots. But if you're looking at them as stocks, when do you buy something? When do you sell it? What, you know, is their stock up, stock down? And, you know, what's the upside of a person? Like, you know, what's the ceiling? What's the floor? And you ultimately make decisions and you make lots of mistakes. Uh, you know, I think about like Ozzy Newsom. His first two draft picks, he wasn't a general manager and he didn't have that title, but he was running the Ravens draft. He drafted Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis in 1996 draft. So he drafted two Hall of Famers on his first two picks wow. in the first round. And later, like he was getting like an Ed Reed, another Hall of Famer, but he was in the last, I think, 10 or so picks of the round. I think he made it in the 26th pick or 24th pick. Memory's um, not starting. But the point is, you don't know. I mean, all those other teams passed on this guy. Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like, a lot of teams didn't see, like, Tom's intangibles or how hard Tom would work or all those things. So, you know, what ultimately do we know? You know? But uh, S2, yeah, I mean, I, I think Brock Purdy, what he did last year showed, I think, everyone that even as Mr. Irrelevant, the seventh-round pick, that you could be a winning quarterback, and maybe it makes people rethink a little bit. Well, what about, you know, guys that are being drafted later? You know, there's a good quarterback here in Houston, Texas. Not very many people talk about him. His name is Clayton Toon. Mm-hmm. Clayton Toon aced the combine. I heard he's done well on all these tests that he's, you know, worked out well. I watched his pro day. I thought he threw the ball really well. And I heard really good reviews from the scouts who are in attendance. What does it all mean? Maybe he'll be drafted a little higher than people think. Maybe he'll be successful. So, I don't know. I wouldn't. After the Purdy thing, not to say everyone's going to be like Purdy, or they tested well, it doesn't matter how late they were picked, but Purdy did well at Iowa State, which I think is a good football school. I do too. And yeah, you get, you, I think also you got to look at who, who do they play well against, what's the competition like, all of those things. But, no, he, he also looked at the coaching, like the 49ers coaching with Kyle Shanahan, with Bobby Slowick, who's now down here as the offense coordinator for the Texans. It's good coaching. Uh, that's a big factor in it. But to me, yeah, look at the F2 test. And some of the guys are, are pumping their, you know, results and all that stuff. But, you know, like it's funny, sort of Richardson. Richardson, not only did he ace the physical testing, but he's also doing well in this. Was he the highest scorer? No, that's not my understanding. But my understanding is he's in the 90s. He's one of the high testers. He did well in the Wonderland. Okay, well, that's another box he's checking. Mm-hmm. That's great. Good for him. And Anthony Richardson's an exciting quarterback. Who knows? What if he's a Raider and he has a year as an understudy behind Jimmy G? What a great scenario that would be for the Raiders and Anthony. And I think Anthony's a very exciting quarterback. So, you know, he's obviously he's visited the Raiders and a bunch of these others, and he's got his upcoming trips. His last one is with the Ravens so on the 19th. So he's got some stuff coming up next week. And uh, I publishes his schedule here. So his schedule coming up uh, for any Raiders fans that are interested in Richardson, he visited the Colts last week, uh, so Wednesday. Then his visits are April 16th, Titans, 
and the Falcons, April 17th and 18th, Ravens on 19th. He already visited the Raiders and the Panthers. He's going to have six trips. No Texans visit, no private workout, just a Zoom with the Texans. Hmm. Something i got to ask you because it got me thinking about that last answer you had there Uh-oh. where sometimes the questions or the answers, the way players answer in interviews, and you said you talked to a lot of people. Has a player told you the dumbest thing they've been asked in one of these pre-draft interviews? The dog or cat question comes up a lot. A lot of people don't think that's a really great question. Uh, some players have been asked illegal questions in the past, but I don't want to repeat some of the illegal questions because like, they deal with like you know, different preferences or like questions about uh, illegal substances, things like that. But, yeah, those questions have happened in the past. They're like Right now you can get in a lot of trouble if you ask certain types of those questions. But, yeah, the dog or cat thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but they have the interpretation that like a dog is a tougher, like, more aggressive animal, that sort of thing. Like, would you rather be a dog or a cat? But, yeah, I very rarely ask that question. Uh, I think it's been a few years since I've asked a player about that. Normally it's like, who do you meet with or describe your game. I'm kind of more like get to the point, uh, which is, like, what's your activity like? And what do you bring to the table unless I'm writing a feature and I know a lot about the player's background. I want to know more about it. But uh, those podium interviews stink. I mean, <laughs> and then half the time if I'm interviewing a player now, like about his draft process, it's like how's the draft process going, who will be met with, uh, what do you bring to the table. So some of like the basic questions. But, yeah, I haven't heard of like a lot of really bad, bad questions anymore. I mean, I think, uh, you know, like the Jeff Ireland thing with Des Bryant, that was a long time ago, and I think, you know, that was like a lesson learned for mm-hmm. him and I think for the whole league. But in a way, it was good that that came out from Dez and it led to an apology and it probably led to let's keep it respectful. Let's not ask these guys like questions that, you know, deal with uh, maybe like personal family stuff or maybe orientation or just anything like that. I think, you know, it's a job interview, but imagine like you're going for a job interview. They're not going to be able to ask you that sort of stuff. Right. And so, you know, I think these are the legal questions. That's all been kind of pushed out of the game. And so what do we have now? Hopefully it's a more professional process for this. Basically what this amounts to is a several-month-long job interview. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Some of those questions were, were really, really silly. And, Aaron, we'll close out with this. Uh, the Texans have the number two pick. Uh, obviously, we're 14 days away from the first round of the draft. There's been a lot of conversation that Bryce Young could go number one. Is there any chance in your mind that the Texans go with someone who's not a quarterback at number two? Yes, there is a chance that that happens. And I would say do not rule out that scenario of a Will Anderson, uh, that that could happen, or they trade out. Uh, is he really like exactly what you wanted to. I'm not sure that he is, but I think that you have to take that scenario very seriously and that that could happen or they trade out. And there are some teams that, you know, just it's all in the eye of the beholder. One thing that influences a lot of this, and I'm not dunking on these quarterbacks, but there is no Joe Burrow, no Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence. Not that those guys are like the next Peyton Manning either, but this is, is it's better than last year. But is this a great quarterback class? No, not in my opinion or a lot of NFL talent evaluators' opinions. There's no like generational prospect here. They're all nice. They're good. There's a flaw with all of them. You can pick all of them apart. It was harder to do that in the past, in a couple years back. And last year, I was with a terrible quarterback class. Uh, and, you know, just where probably the needs arms, it didn't have that. So I look at this year, it's improved. 
but next year will be a lot better with Caleb Williams and May. So let's, you know, kind of wait till next year. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I just, I, I don't love this quarterback class. Well, and it sounds like a lot of other folks don't like love it as well. And we've we've been on record here saying that there's no like you mentioned Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, those kind of cats. You know the Andrew Lux, the can't miss type feel of quarterback. So it's going to be interesting, Aaron. Fourteen days away. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I've been tracking a lot of the visits and the workouts. You probably see a lot of my tweets. Um, mm-hmm. I think I don't necessarily put a lot of stock that they mean everything. I just kind of like to do it. Just I think they create engagement and fans find it interesting, but. I've been doing that, and I'm working on some, you know, draft stories as far as like the players I think are make make sense for different teams. I'm uh, also working on a feature on the Texans cornerback Stephen Nelson. He's played for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. Eagles, and Steelers, and he owns a farm. So today, for several hours, I was at his farm. He owns got horses out there. He's got cows. He's got sheep, and actually, some of his uh, livestock is going to go toward the Texans meal. I think they're having a lamb meal on Friday at the cafeteria, so he brought some lambs to a slaughterhouse, and some of that meat is going to go to the Texans, and uh, so they're like a customer of his uh, for Nelson Farms. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, It's just sort of a different way of life. It's very peaceful. It's about an hour and a half from Houston in Montgomery, Texas. So it was cool to spend some time today. We had a camera out there uh, from KPRC2, and uh, my colleague Ari Alexander was out there hanging out on the farm. And <laughs> uh, at one point, the, he had a bag of food, so the sheep were coming right at us, but they're friendly. But uh, we were, like, surrounded by a bunch <laughs> of bats all over the place and a miniature horse named Dusty. So, uh, yeah, it got me out of off my computer and out of my house and uh, on a car ride and out to the farm. Uh, and, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if you... Watch Steve play a lot, but he's a really good corner, a really mm-hmm. good guy, and he's been a great player in this league for a long time. And I think kind of an underrated corner, uh, if you think about like some of the things he's accomplished. He's just been really steady and consistent, and uh, he's you know done some good things against a lot of good wide receivers over the years. And uh, last year, only allowed like nine point nine yards per reception was the average, which is his career best. So he's age thirty, so he's still be getting better at his craft. There you go. Good stuff. Well, uh, man, Demond, you got to go out there to the farm and hang out with a miniature horse named Dusty. That'd be perfect for Cowboy Cotton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be living the dream. There you go. Aaron, fantastic stuff, man. I appreciate you, and I'm sure we'll uh, catch up in Kansas City in a couple weeks. Absolutely. Good to talk to you. You too, brother. There he goes. Aaron Wilson, KPRC2, at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL on Twitter. Much thanks to him. I appreciate his time and thought that was some really good stuff and really intriguing when it comes to the S2 cognitive test. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Matt Holder's up next. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 4.38 the time here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Many thanks to Aaron Wilson. Uh, kind of had to move him around a little bit to get him uh, into the show as our times got messed up a little bit. But we, we, we navigate. We overcome. You know, we, we, we handle the situations and we do it well here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Join us now on the phone lines from Silver and Black Pride is our good friend Matt Holder. And Matt, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And uh, you brought to my attention a, 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 an article that you put out on silverandblackpride.com, five second-round cornerbacks to keep an eye on 
And, of course, the one that you highlighted the most was my favorite one from Mississippi State, Emmanuel Forbes. In man coverage, Forbes allowed three completions on 15 targets and earned an 89.6 grade from PFF, sixth highest in the country. Emmanuel Forbes is not a big dude, at least when it comes to weight. He's six foot one, maybe 170 on a good day. What are your thoughts on Emmanuel Forbes and, and how he projects to the next level? Yeah, well, first of all, you, I just knew knew the way right to your heart to yes. make sure to include Emmanuel Forbes in there. Yes. So, um, no, I mean, you kind of nailed it right on the head. The biggest concern with Forbes is obviously that size. I was looking it up before this. Um, he'd be, like, the lightest cornerback drafted since, like, 2000 by, like, about 10 pounds. And I think, and I don't have the names off the top of my head, but I think if you go back and look at the players that were at, like, about 165 who were drafted, were, they were guys that were, like, 5'8", five, 5'10", five, you know, the, the short kings of the world, and he's, you know, about 6'2". So he's kind of like a walking stick, a running stick out there. Um, definitely gets bullied a little bit uh, by bigger receivers and tight ends, and that can cause some issues in coverage. But, I mean, one of the biggest things, and I think you've talked about this a lot, Hugh, is the guy just makes plays. I mean, mm-hmm. he did give up three touchdowns, and he's a little bit of a gambler. But I guess that makes him a better fit in Las Vegas uh, from that standpoint. <laughs> he also had three pick sixes. I mean, anybody in Vegas who's uh, spending the weekend gambling knows if uh, you go gambling and and end up with uh, even money, that'll work every time. So he's definitely a guy that's a boomer bust player, but I'll tell you what, the booms are pretty nice and the booms are pretty high. Yeah, no, it really is. And and the one thing, Matt, that stood out to me is that he doesn't doesn't back down from tackles. Like, he's he's light. Like, he doesn't weigh a lot, but he, he doesn't mind going in there and mixing it up. And, like, do you think that that is something that he can continue to do on the next level? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's the kind of mindset you're looking for with a lot of corners, regardless of how much they weigh. Do they want to get involved with a run game? And, you know, that's one of the biggest things, you know, I look for when I'm evaluating is, I'm, you know, adjust my expectations. I'm not expecting college corners to be great run defenders. But if they're willing and willing to and put their nose down and stick their nose down and make some tackles, I can work with that. No, no matter what Emmanuel Forbes says, he's going to have to get bigger. And obviously that's going to be a big factor in his running and uh, his run defense. When those running backs get a little bit bigger, Maybe it's going to be a little bit harder for him to bring them down. But, again, regardless, he's going to have to get bigger and stronger. And I think if he does get there, he has the mentality all right. And it's a whole lot easier to get a guy in a weight room and in a, in a training program um, and have him eat a couple extra meals than to, you know, try and turn a guy on mentally or try to, try to get him to get in that mindset. You can't really coach that, or you can try to, but it's a lot harder to uh, work with, whereas, you know, at least we know we can put some size on this guy and he'll be able to fill out and, be better at least one once he gets bigger. No, there's no doubt about that. Again, Matt Holder is our guest from silverandblackpride.com here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And what stood out to me, as you mentioned, the way that he's able to create turnovers and 14 career interceptions, six career pick sixes. Matt, there's just something about having instincts to go get the ball. See ball, get ball, like Charles Woodson used to say. And the Raiders haven't had a guy like that in a very long time. How, I mean... I kind of look at him like Trayvon Diggs. You mentioned that he's a guy that's going to get beat every once in a while. He's a gambler, as you mentioned. But Trayvon Diggs, his rookie year, had, what, like 10 interceptions, even though he gave up you know, a few as well. I, it feels to me like the risk is worth the reward. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And I think one of the biggest things with Forbes that you hit the, hit the nail right on the head is he has great instincts. I can remember watching this uh, one rep that sticks out in my mind where Emmanuel Forbes is playing off coverage and he reads screen immediately, comes crashing downhill and just steps right in front of the ball like it was intended for him and takes it back to the house. And that's the kind of stuff that I think, you know, where if you're comparing him to a guy like Trevon Diggs, where I actually think Forbes has better instincts than a guy like mm. Diggs did coming out of Alabama. I just think Diggs had, uh, you know, those receiver skills given his brother, and he was actually a receiver at first at Alabama too. So that's kind of where I, I can definitely see where you're coming from, where, you know, 
is the risk worth the reward? Is he a gambler? Yes, he's going to give up some touchdowns. He's going to give up some big plays. But he's also going to create turnovers. And, you know, I'll take giving up a couple first downs and getting a pick two plays later and, and getting the ball right back if, uh, if that's what he is. So it's definitely one of those things where a little bit of a, a, little bit of a touch and go because um, Sherman did, did end up giving up, like, I think, like a 1,000 yards or something like that in coverage, which I can't say I'm thrilled about that. But, you know, uh, again, you'll take it if they can make the big plays and make those momentum-changing plays too. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Look, last year the Raiders had six interceptions as a team, right? Six interceptions. Exactly. So that that obviously at some point they've got to find a way to create more plays, and, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who does that. Again, Matt Holder is our guest from silverandblackpride.com talking about his piece that he put out, five second-round cornerbacks to keep an eye on. My man DeMond's got one for you. DJ Turner, when it comes to the speed, I'm a speed guy. You run the 40 at the combine. Are like, you? I'm yes. Just no. I'm just <laughs> you run the You run that 40 fast at the combine, I'm like, hey, man. Maybe that team, maybe my team should draft that guy. But what do you think about DJ Turner? Because I know that he's undersized, but five eleven doesn't seem that undersized to me. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you can run, I can take you being five eleven. You look at, you know, even a guy that's at the top of the draft board, obviously he's a better player. But Devin Witherspoon's not the biggest guy in the world either, and he can still make it work. I think if you can run like that and you can uh, have those speed, you know, to quote a. Uh, to go into a little bit of Al Davis, you can't coach speed, so we'll take that every single day of the week. Um, you know, and he's definitely a guy you know in that late second round where could be a great target, and you know another guy that's a uh, um, inter- interesting guy for the Raiders and definitely boost their uh, secondary if they can end up picking him up. So a guy on the opposite end of that when it comes to being a big physical corner, Julius Brent out of Kansas State, where this is a guy where about six three has the long arms. What do you like about him as a cornerback prospect? I mean that that's that's uh, what uh, Emmanuel Forbes to Q is what um, is what Julius Brent is, is to me. So I've been <laughs> enamored with uh, Julius Brent for a while ever since he was at the Senior Bowl, and I think they I said his wingspan was like six foot eleven, seven feet, something crazy like that. You know, ninety eight percent foul, ninety nine percent foul, or nine uh, arm length and all that stuff. So definitely a guy that again can make plays on the ball. Can uh, you know? Even if he does get beat by a half step, he's got those long arms that can help recover and at least give himself a chance. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. He's been really good in press. And he didn't quite have the great 40 time, but uh, you know everything else that he tested in was actually pretty good. Uh, all of his numbers were, all, were pretty part, or pretty much up to snuff. 40 just wasn't quite what you like. And if you go look at his uh, 10, 20-yard splits, they were actually doing pretty well and just, I guess, kind of ran out of gas at the, uh, the end of the, the, the rep there. But... If he can win at the line of scrimmage, that's going to slow any receiver down. And uh, with those long arms, he's going to he's going to have a good time, or I have a good chance to win at the line of scrimmage quite a lot. Impressed. I'm 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 impressed by the by the measurables as well. But how do you think he would fit into that Patrick Graham system, where we know that a versatility is valued a lot, and the corners where we see that it's a little bit harder to pick that up playing in the secondary in a Patrick Graham defense. Well, I think one of the things that Graham did a lot toward the end of last year was he started running a lot more press of that press man coverage. So I think that he could fit into that if that's what Graham wants to continue to do. I do kind of feel like Graham's a little bit more, uh, and by nature, wants to rely a little bit more on zone. Um, I think that was the plan going into it last year. They just had so many injuries that they just had to go stick to man coverage with all the young guys that they had out there. But uh, if he does want to keep running that, I think he can fit. Um, and again, another guy that comes in and you know will have a chance to mix it in and start right away because we know we know the Raiders could be a talent cornerback. No, there's no doubt about that. And Matt, we'll close out with this: Keely Ringo from Georgia. He's a guy that met with the Silver and Black last week. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ringo? Uh, he's very athletic. Do you think that he could take and translate his game to the next level? 
I think Ringo is kind of interesting because, you know, we were just talking about Graham, like, and versatile guys, and, you know, there's, there's this kind of uh, feeling that Ringo might be a better safety because his change of direction is not great, which probably wouldn't be a good fit if, they again, Graham wants to run more man. But Graham does love versatile players and loves guys that are kind of the Swiss Army nice. Think of the Julius Peppers when he was in uh, when he was at, in New York. So I think, you know, if, if Ringo can play safety and can play some refs in corner, I think he'd be. Uh, I think Graham would be a guy that he'd fall in love with. And again, another guy sub four four that you just can't teach that uh, definitely can um, definitely could fit in with uh, with Las Vegas in Las Vegas and uh, make their secondary better. It's going to be interesting. It really will. We know that the Raiders need to uh, do a lot of improvements on the defensive side of things, defensive line, interior, the the uh, edge, uh, corners, linebackers, safety. I mean, they need everything when it comes to the defensive side of things. Well, Matt, what do you got coming out on silverandblackpride.com that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so right now I'm just kind of gearing up for the draft, like uh, doing a few more of those articles uh, like that were coming out today. Got some coming on some day three or some round three corners, excuse me, and then more uh, more guys on the offensive line to keep an eye out for, um, as well as we're going to be uh, leading up to the draft. We're going to have a little um, March Madness style bracket where on Twitter where uh, Raider Nation can can vote and sound off for who they want to see uh, them take with number seven. So, Ooh, I like it. The draft and big stuff going on. There you go. I like it a lot. Well, you can find Matt on Twitter at mholder95 and, of course, his work, silverandblackpride.com, with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, sir. There he goes. Matt Holder does a great job with Silver and Black Pride. Uh, Ran into him at the Combine, hung out with him for a little while, Uh, does a good job covering the Silver and Black. And uh, his article, he knew how to get to me, man. Emmanuel Forbes. Just put him in the conversation, and Q's going to be all over it, and that's exactly what I was. 449 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We'll close out with a couple quick texts here on our don'tbebroke.com text line from 69187, keyword R&R. It is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We've got plenty of tickets on the way for the Battle for Vegas as well, so make sure you're paying attention for those. Get the hookup. We already gave out a pair today. Of course, the morning tailgate. We'll have some in the morning. JT should have some tomorrow afternoon. And we'll keep the party rolling as it goes down July 22nd, 7.30 p.m. is first pitch at Las Vegas Ballpark. Excited about that opportunity. But a couple quick texts I want to get to. The first one's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, happy Thursday and greeting from San Diego. I want to check in as I'm about to encounter a crazy bachelor party here in San Diego. Don't worry, we ain't going to be doing $1 steaks here, laughing my ass off. Not sure what today's topic is, but I'll say this. I'm all in for the Raiders selecting a quarterback with our number seven pick. I do like the offensive line kid from Northwestern, though. Shout out to my Lakers for that crazy win the other night. I'm pumped for the series versus DeMond's Grizzlies. Have a good rest of the evening, gentlemen. Sir Whiskey Ray. I'll tell you two things about Sir Whiskey Ray that I've noticed. Two things. And I say this with all due respect. Sir Whiskey Ray is always at a bachelor party. He's always got a bachelor party he's headed to. And two, he's always traveling. The two things that Sir, I don't really know where he resides. Like, I don't know if he lives in the Bay, if he lives in L.A., if he's in San Diego. I don't know where he is. If he's in the 559 area, I'm not too sure where Sir Risky Ray actually lives. But I'll tell you one thing, he lives. He be traveling and bachelor partying <laughs> it the hell up. My first thought was, how many good friends does he have? Because the bachelor party, you're not just inviting any old body. But, man, he must he must be the best friend there is. He's like, you know, the movie Wedding Crashers? Yeah. <laughs> He's like bachelor party crashers, right? Oh, there's a bachelor party. Let's go. Right? He ain't got to know the guy. He just shows up to the bachelor party and just knows what to do. When you get there, you just know what to do. 
I ain't mad at him. That that I, I talked about Chris Carter, the the dude I always give him I give him hell for being light skinned dude. I just mess with him all the time, say he has light skinned tendencies. He's the only person I say that to just because it always gets him bent out of shape. But uh he uh he's always going to a damn wedding too. He's always like, Oh, Q, I can't do the show this week, got a wedding to go to. I was like, dude, when are you not going to a wedding? Can you can you do something besides can you just not do the show because something else? I mean, it's always gotta be a wedding. Oh, I gotta travel. Like last week, couldn't do the show. He's like, Oh, I gotta be at the airport at three o'clock in the morning. I was like, Why? Going to a wedding. I was like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't even know that many people to go to multiple weddings in a year. I don't want to go to that many weddings in a year. I really don't. I, I, I don't. That was one of the things. I think me and the wife went to a few early on, and I remember I told my mom, she was like, man, you sure are going to a lot of weddings. I was like, I know. I'm about to catch a fever. And then look what happened. I got married. <laughs> Cautionary tale. Stay away from weddings. I'll stay away. <laughs> nah, just kidding. But still, it's one of those things. Just happens. Chris Carter's always there, and and Sir Whiskey Ray is always at a bachelor's party. So there's that. But uh, many thanks to all the guests that we had on the show today, from Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, Aaron Wilson, you just heard from from Houston, Jessica Benson, Grind City Media, did a fantastic job covering the Grizzlies, and we also just heard from Matt Holder, Silver and Black Pride. We got plenty to get to on tomorrow's show. We'll have Vinny for sure. Paloma Villacana will join the show uh, and many more. We have a a loaded show as we close out the week tomorrow. Uh, Excited about that opportunity. So have a great evening. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Have a good night.